The epistle for this 16th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Brethren, I pray you not to faint in my tribulations for you, which are your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom all paternity in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened by his Spirit with might unto the inward man, that Christ may dwell by faith in your hearts, that being rooted and founded in charity, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know also the charity of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do all things more abundantly than we desire or understand, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus unto all generations, war without end. Amen. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. At that time, when Jesus went into the house of one of the chiefs of the Pharisees on the Sabbath day to eat bread, they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him that had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? But they held their peace. But he, taking him, healed him and sent him away. In answering them, he said, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fall into a pit and will not immediately draw him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him to these things. And he spoke a parable also to them that were invited, marking how they chose the first seats at table, saying to them, When thou art invited to a wedding, do not sit down in the first place, lest perhaps one more honorable than thou be invited by him. And he that invited thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and then thou begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when thou art invited, go sit down in the lowest place, that when he who invited thee comes, he may say to thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have glory before them that sit at table with thee, because every one that exalts himself shall be humbled, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear Reverend Father, dear faithful, we tend to love the possessions that we have because of what they make us able to do. We love our refrigerator because it keeps things cold and enables us to eat our food later on. We love our car because our car enables us to get from point A to point B and get around town. We love our house because our house provides us shelter and a safe place from, from all the elements. But there is one possession we have that is even more precious than all these things I have mentioned because it belongs to our very person. And the reason for this, why we, why we really love this particular possession, is that what it enables us to do is to have friendships. And as Aristotle says, no one, no man, would want to live without friends, even if he had all other goods. Friendship is so precious to us that we would really surrender anything that we possess in order to have it. Now, the possession I'm talking about 
that makes friendships possible for us is our reputation. Our reputation is one of the most valuable things that you have, your good name. Because it's a necessary condition, your good reputation is a necessary condition for you to have friends. And you think about any of us, if we're choosing to associate with this person or that person, we're going to make the choice on the basis of the reputation that they have. And if they have a bad reputation, no one of us would want to be their friends. If you know that someone is a thief, are you going to have them over to your house? If you know that someone is a womanizer, are you going to want them to be around your wife? If you know that someone is a murderer, are you going to want to go to a restaurant with them, sit down, and have a meal? Of course not. No one of us would do any of these things. We would say, it would be very imprudent for me to associate with someone who had a reputation of doing these things. We're only going to become friends with someone if we trust that he's a good person. And we're only going to trust that someone's a good person if they have a good reputation on the basis of their name, our perception of their name and reputation. Now, this is the reason why every single one of us is very jealous about our reputation. If you hear about someone that someone is talking about you, naturally, you want to know what they're saying. You want to find out, like, what did they say about me? And when you hear what they said about you, if you believe that something was said improperly about you, you're very anxious to set the record straight. Perhaps they didn't get all the details correct. And you said, well, I mean, there's something there that's true. I mean, so this, this aspect of what they said is correct, but this other thing actually did not happen. Or if, if what they said about you was just plain false, you are very quick to say, I did not do that. It's wrong. I don't know where they heard that. I did not do that. You instinctively know that things will be very difficult for you if your reputation is ruined. You could lose your job, you could lose your friends, you could get canceled by the world around you and be left alone with no resources, nobody to associate with. You want people to associate with you, and so, as a result, you don't want your name to be blackened in any way. This is why the church has always considered the sin of detraction or what is called backbiting, to be a grave sin. And you think about it, I mean, if, if you believe that, that stealing somebody's car is a grave sin, then of course you're going to think that destroying somebody's reputation is also a grave sin. Because if, if I were to ask you, what would you prefer, that I take your car or I ruin your reputation? Of course you would say to me, I would prefer that my car be taken, than that my name be blackened, my name be destroyed. For instance, for among all of my associates, they think that I'm a horrible person. I would much prefer that I lose my car than I lose my reputation. So if stealing someone's car is a grave sin, then certainly destroying their reputation is a serious sin. 
St. Thomas, when he speaks about the sin of backbiting in his Summa, he wants to distinguish it from the sin of reviling. He says there's two main differences between the sin of reviling and the sin of backbiting or detraction. Someone who reviles another does so to their face, and their intention is to dishonor that person in the presence of others. So it's face-to-face, and the intention is to dishonor. But someone who backbites or detracts from another is doing it behind the back of the other. That's why it's called backbiting. They don't do it in the person's presence, and their intention is to ruin the reputation of the other, not to dishonor them before others in, in public, but to ruin their reputation. Those are the two differences. I do want to point out, and this is, this is a very important point with this sin of detraction because I've seen so many cases of people getting scrupulous about detraction, that we're talking about the, the sin of detraction, its species comes from your intention. What do you want when you're revealing bad things about another person? And detraction comes from your intention to destroy the reputation of the other. I'm not saying that it's always wrong to reveal information, bad information about someone else. Sometimes there are cases when we have a duty to point out that someone is bad. If there is a sex offender in the town or there is a murderer in the town, it is important that people have this information so that they can protect themselves. In that case, you're telling someone for the intention of protecting others. There's other situations in which you need to speak to people about someone else being bad um, in order to help that person. You know, like when family members are falling away from the faith or they're, they're having difficulties, it would be natural for you to go to other family members and say, you know, so-and-so is, having, is going through a rough time and has fallen into this situation. How can we help him? So that is not the sin of detraction. Your intention in both of those cases is a good intention. On the one hand, you have the intention to protect other people. On the other hand, you have the intention to assist the person who's being bad. The sin of detraction or backbiting is when you have the intention to ruin the, the reputation of someone else. This is what is bad. This is what is sinful. It's not permitted for you to want to ruin the reputation of someone else. And in this question of reputation, I think it's very important for us to remember the golden rule given by our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount. You do unto others as you would have done unto you. You know that the second great commandment is that we love our neighbor as ourselves. So we have to consider, if I myself think that my reputation is one of my most valuable possessions, that, that one of the last things I would want to surrender, I'd rather surrender so many other things that I possess rather than my reputation. And I try to protect my reputation at all costs, that I must do the same for my neighbor. I must be very jealous about the reputation of my neighbor. I must be careful about anything that I might say that might ruin the reputation of someone else. We have to be aware that one of the greatest tools the devil has to prevent good from happening is to set good people against one another. 
to turn them against one another so that they no longer trust one another, they no longer want to collaborate with one another. How much good does the devil prevent from happening because he's turned good people against one another? And there are two things that the devil relies upon in our human relationships that help him make us start thinking really horrible things about one another. One of these things is secrecy, where rumors just sort of fly around. And we really don't know where they come from or where they're going. We don't know who's saying what. It's just things are just sort of floating in the air. The devil loves secrecy. But when a light is shown on a particular fact, when we're confronted with the reality, then the devil is defeated. And we see the truth in the plain light. The other thing that the devil relies upon is the information vacuum. That we lack a certain amount of information. And so we cannot, we're not in a position really to draw a conclusion. And in those cases, the devil likes to work on our imagination and assist us to draw a conclusion. Normally, a conclusion that's very bad about someone else. So this is why we must be very careful about what we say about others and what we believe about others. Those two things, what we say and what we believe. We must be careful about what we say about others. What we say about others, we must know that it is true. We shouldn't pass on information as being true if we're not sure if it's true or not. If you hear a rumor, you must realize that by definition, a rumor is uncertain. Um, someone says to you, you know, I heard, I heard that so-and-so, um, you know, Bill is living with his girlfriend. You're like, hmm, hmm, this is a rumor. It's unverified information. It may be true, it may not be true. When I looked up the word, when I Googled the word rumor yesterday, here's, here's what I got. A piece of unverified information of uncertain origin usually spread by word of mouth. So we, we should not say something about someone else that is either certainly false or uncertainly true. Even if we know something is true, we're certain that something is true about someone else that is bad about them, we must not think that that gives us a right to pass on that information to everybody. We know that this is the spirit of the modern world, and this is how modern journalism works. They love, they, they, they sell papers and, and news on scandal. They thrive on telling bad things about people, true or false. And they think that if they have bad information, they have a right to publish it to just to the whole world. This is not the case. If you know a thing is true of someone else and it's not good, then you only should say it to those who need to know. There are certain people who are on a need-to-know basis. There are certain people who um, need to have this information, as I say, either to be protected or to help the person who's, who's um, being sinful. If you do that, if you're in such a situation where you need to inform people who are on a need-to-know basis, you just must make sure that your intention is good. Even in those cases, the devil can slip in and, and make us take a certain satisfaction by tearing down somebody else. 
we, we must not take joy from passing on um, negative information about other people. Um, our intention must be good to, to protect someone or to help the, the person who is, who is doing bad. Never seek to destroy another's reputation. That is always an evil intention. Secondly, as I said, we must be careful about what we believe about other people. Do not believe everything that you're told about others, especially if you're hearing that rumor that I was referring to them. Um, you, if you value the reputation of other people, you must get in the habit of fact-checking. You must get in the habit of reserving judgment. There's an art to reserving judgment. We see Our Lady doing this in, in the Gospels, keeping things in our heart and trying to figure out things um, before drawing a conclusion. So if I hear something about somebody else and it's an unconfirmed rumor, then I don't conclude. I don't jump to the conclusion that this is necessarily true. And I, I must want to give to this person the opportunity to defend themselves. We know that in a court in law, it's, it's only just that, that someone, uh, the, the, the person who's being accused, have the opportunity to defend himself, give his side of the story. Um, certainly, if, if, if a priest is doing marriage counseling, whatever, and the, and the husband comes in and says how horrible the wife is, it would be wrong for him to just say, uh-huh, 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 and, and not ever talk to the wife and, and bring the wife in and say, you're a terrible person. He needs to hear the wife's side of the story. We have the duty to find out the truth. Sometimes I call up people and I'll, I'll just say, hey, you know, um, someone said this about you the other day. Um, I just, I just want to let you know that and give you an opportunity to give your side of the story. Because I want to know what the truth is and, and not be basing my judgments on something that I've heard from someone who's heard something from somebody who's heard something from somebody else. I want to know the truth. I always, I, I, I do not like doing anything autobiographical in my sermons. This is something I, I, I rarely do and um, generally feel uncomfortable doing with this. This is going to be an exception, but just, just to give an example from, from my own past, you might know that a couple of years ago, I, I published a book. In this book, I used my liberty as a Catholic to um, express my opinion that there was certain evidence for an ancient world, an ancient universe. At the same time, I gave very strong arguments against Darwinian evolution. What happened was there was a lot of people out there, a lot of traditional Catholics, who accused me of being a modernist and accused me of being an evolutionist without ever reading my book, actually seeing what was in the book. They just took the rumor and flew with it. And if you go on Amazon.com today, you can find there a review, someone reviewing my book, and she says the following, Father Robinson never does explain how life can be developed from non-life, even given millions and millions of years. Well, it just happens that I have a whole chapter explaining that life does not come from non-life. I explicitly go out of my way to prove that there's no way, given the laws of nature as they are, that life comes from non-life. 
I'm explicitly against abiogenesis, as it's called. And yet there's this review of my book accusing me or faulting me for supporting abiogenesis. There are even people who said, you know, this book is horrible and it's not worth my time to read it. In other words, saying that, that they had made a judgment about the book based on what they had heard without ever actually looking at what the book said. So if you're in this habit of believing everything that you hear about others without confirming it, without doing the fact-checking, without talking to people face-to-face, -face, you are open, opening yourselves to temptations from the devil. The devil launches himself into that information vacuum, and he starts to turn all these people you're thinking about into villains, into horrible monsters. This is what the devil wants to do. He wants to pit us one against another by working on our imagination. Whereas if you're sitting in front of a person, you're talking to them, all of that scenario that you worked up in your imagination of, of this horror of a, of a person that someone is has to melt away because you have the fact of the person sitting before you see that, okay, well, maybe they're not an axe murderer as I, as I was perceiving them. So you just have to come to, to terms with the reality of a person if you're talking to them. So my dear faithful, um, St. James in his epistle where he, is, he speaks so much about the sins of the tongue, he tells us, brethren, do not speak against one another. The reputation that you have is one of your most precious possessions. Also, the reputation of your neighbor is one of their most precious possessions. We must, out of charity, guard the reputation of others as much as we guard our own. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.